Welcome, everyone. My name is Sean Carter. Hopefully you remember that. I'm the same guy I was last week, but I'm so glad you're here again this week. I really, this has almost become the highlight of my week, just spending time with you, whoever you are. But let's continue and let's get right into the Ethie Awards. The first nominee this week is in a category, least competent in a legal setting. And it's important to remember that competence isn't just having the technical proficiency, but also having something that is called sense or judgment, discernment, to not just do everything that you can do, but to actually be reasoned and rational about things. The particular nominee here is a 1956 movie, Overexposed. 25,000. If I uh, arrange for the purchase of this picture, what guarantee will my client have that he's received all the copies? There's one copy he won't have. I put that away in a very safe place. That's my protection. You're asking for trouble. Listen, Russ, you're the only one who can help me. You want me to blackmail him so he'll take your rap? The merchandise is appealing, but the price comes too high. And in the movie, the lead character is a young woman. She's new in town, and she gets arrested for soliciting drinks and rolling drunks. The police are escorting her out of town. So you don't, you, we don't care where you go, but you got to get out of here. And just by coincidence, someone snaps her picture at that moment. And a lot of the rest of the movie is her effort to keep that picture a secret. And that sort of comes into play here. Now, interestingly enough, this particular case does not happen in the U.S., and that's rare. For one, we have all of the lack of ethics we could ever stand here in 50 states. 50 states is way enough for me to be able to make fun of people forever. But this is a Canadian case from the province of Alberta. And this case was so unusual, I decided to throw it in here. At the end of the year, probably will get thrown out, won't make the actual Ethi Award cut, but it's too good to pass up. And there's some lessons for us in it. There's a couple in Alberta that has been together for, I think, 12 years. They have a couple kids together. They're not married. They're common-law spouses. And they eventually start having problems, maybe because he won't put a ring on it. I don't know. But I do know this, is that he's concerned that she's getting a little erratic and that she's going to do something crazy. Yeah, you, know you women are. He's going to do something crazy. Maybe she's going to, I don't know, leave the province, take his children. He doesn't want that. So he seeks out this lawyer here. He explains the situation and says, what can we do? He says, well, we can file an emergency order. I'm going to draft it up and then I'm going to send you over an affidavit. And you need to tell me if there's some reason, something she's been doing that's been erratic so that, you know, we can argue that, you know, you should have custody now and that she can't just run off. And so he says, yeah, oh, I got tons of stuff. All these text messages. This, this chick is crazy. All right. And. We can't have that. She's going to run off to Saskatchewan, maybe. Maybe even that place they shoot that horrible TV show, Letterkenny. Wherever that is, we can't have that. I'm going to give you these emails. And so she drafts up this affidavit that shows these emails. And I guess, you know, she's they're arguing. So she's probably saying some things that are not so nice, probably wouldn't want a judge to hear. The lawyer then sends that over to the client and says, hey, sign it and send it back to me. And that's what the client does. The day before the hearing, the package comes back. The lawyer says, great, we're going to be able to handle this. The lawyer smartly looks through the materials. Remember, she had sent it over. 
All she really had to look for was a signature. She's smart. She understands, maybe I should look through the rest of this. And sure enough, this client has added some extra pages to the tax transcripts. And on those pages are pictures that are described as nude and explicit photos of the wife. Now, I don't know exactly how more nude you can get to be explicit or how much more explicit you can get to be nude. I thought they were kind of the same, but I'm thinking that maybe they're different. Nude is kind of a tasteful boudoir photo and uh, explicit, I, I, I don't want to know, but I'm, I'm assuming that maybe it's, it's more than that. Now, the lawyer has a problem here. Her instinct is to just rip those pages out. But the husband, when he signed the affidavit, and attested to all those pages there. And so she can't do that. On the other hand, the hearing is tomorrow. She's got to do something. And it's March in Alberta, which means the temperature is like negative 850 degrees Kelvin. I mean, I'm not even sure human life can be sustained out there. And she doesn't want to go driving through this winter wonderland to get a new signature. She talks it over with her partners and they decide, hey, at this point, let's just file it as is. And maybe these pictures will convince the judge that this is an unfit mother or that the judge wants to date her. It's 50-50. We might lose here, but let's go for it. We're not going out in the cold in Alberta. Next day in court, she argues a motion and wins and gets an ex parte emergency stay. They then serve it on the wife's counsel. Like the other lawyer, this lawyer is also very meticulous. Looks through the entire package. I imagine he spent a lot of time on some of those pages and calls the attorney and says, uh, really, girlfriend? Uh, that's what we're doing now? And they then go back to court and they will reach a compromise between the two lawyers. It's okay, what we'll do is we're not going to change the affidavit, but we'll just black out the pictures. And they have to obviously tell the judge this. And the judge looks at the lawyer and says, really, girlfriend? That's what we're doing now? And likely after the judge made a few personal copies for his own file, he then reports the lawyer to the Law Society of Alberta. Now, the Law Society looks at it and like, really, girlfriend? That's what we're doing now? And there are two distinct charges that they levy against her. One, they say that you are bringing the administration of justice in a disrepute. In English, you nasty baby. And two, you have failed to provide competent representation. You didn't help your client out here. Took extra time. You think you had to pay like $250 fees and costs to get this all fixed up. And you, you nasty baby. Interestingly enough, they considered hitting her with violating the criminal law. Because like in many places, Alberta has a revenge porn statute. That you can't publish nude pictures about other people. And the lawyer gets away here in the sense that there's an exemption under that law for matters of public record. Obviously, in situations in which it's pertinent to the administration of justice to know the person's state or you know, nude photos, medical photos, etc., you can do that. And they say, okay, we really, you think you're, we're pushing it here, but we're not going to take you to court and whatever, but we're really, you know, you could have been in big, big trouble about this. Now, the good thing about this lawyer is that this is her first defense, has a great reputation, Everybody says great things about her. So they just give her a reprimand, which is don't do this again unless, you know, the wife is kind of hot, uh, being really ridiculous. The lesson to be learned here is obviously to go the extra mile, literally, and stop sending other people pictures of your, your naughty bits. Unless you want to be the last first lady or something, it's probably going to come back to haunt you. But in all seriousness, 
this is an issue that all could be resolved by just making the extra drive. And I know it's a pain sometimes, but it's a lot easier than coming all the way down here to get your Ethi award, right? Do go the extra mile, all right? She knew the right thing to do in the beginning. You want to do better. My Uncle Black and my pop used to have to hook up on little burnout phones back in the day. Would you come up on these? Does it matter, OG? Yeah, it matters. My hustling day is over. You and Pop's legends on these streets. We ain't getting no younger. We gotta take care of business. Last time Christmas came early like this, it was 1998. That uplifting and inspirational clip was from Master P's I Got the Hookup. And by the way, two. So I wasn't going to just give you the regular hookup. You're getting a double hookup. I'm, and I'm sure the second movie, the sequel, was twice as bad as the first, if that is humanly possible. In any event, the category here is most creative tale. An important thing to remember is that there are lots of ways to lie. Right? You can tell a lie. You can write a lie. Or in this case, you can white out a lie. And this is exactly what this former New Hampshire judge did. The trouble started when a close friend of this judge appeared before her as a guardian ad litem. And the other party suspected that the judge and the guardian were a little too chummy. And they were particularly upset because they thought the judge was consistently ruling in favor of her buddy. Even more, the judge had approved fees that exceeded the statutory cap and agreed they could be paid by Apple Pay, which I guess is not allowed in the Granite State. I think they're a strict Google State. I don't know. I do know that the other party was so upset that they complained to the Judicial Conduct Committee. And the JCC said, okay, we're going to take a look at this. Judge, send over the orders in question. And here's an amazing thing what this judge did. She grabs the orders and some whiteout and erases everything she had written on these handwritten orders. And then apparently, I guess, turns them in. This blank piece of paper, well, with whiteout all over it. Now, I don't get this at all. Why not say you lost them? You dog ate them. Heck, eat the paper yourself. But how are you going to hand over blank pieces of paper and say there was nothing on my order? See, I didn't do nothing, and I mean that literally. Now, for pulling this nonsense, the Attorney General himself sends out the word and says, uh, will you go arrest this fool? And so now the judge is facing five criminal charges, and they're almost all related not to the underlying offense, but to the whiteout. And by the way, where the heck do you even buy whiteout? Would she go back to 1984? Was she snorting the stuff? Anyway, we can answer these questions over time because the judge has some time to think about this. Uh, she had to step down from the bench. She's been suspended from the practice of law, pending the criminal charges against her. And the moral story is that you can't give your peeps the hookup. Also, if you must, you should invest in a shredder or at least a lighter. But don't use whiteout. That's ridiculous. And in all seriousness, here we have another, yet another example of someone who took a fairly minor offense, something that might not even have been actionable. It's always a judgment call in these cases as to which way you rule, etc. Even though the judge seems to have clearly broken past the statutory limit, right, on the cap for the fees, the judges are allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to leave off a zero, etc. What you aren't allowed to do is to white it out. And here's a classic example of pride and ego. 
Rather than simply taking the small hit, the lawyer ends up losing everything because they didn't want to admit that they were wrong in the first place. Something wrong back there, Miss Daisy? No. Something I done? No. Yes. Miss Daisy, I ain't done nothing. You had the car parked right in front of the front door of the temple like I was the Queen of Romania. Everybody saw you. Didn't I tell you to wait for me in the back? Well, yes, but I just trying to... Well, there's two other chauffeurs right behind me there. You made me look like a fool. A G.D. fool. Oh, Miss Daisy. Lord knows you ain't no fool. Slow down. Miriam and Beulah and them, I could see what they were thinking when we came out of services. What's that? But I was trying to pretend I was rich. Well, you is rich, Miss Daisy. No, I'm not. And nobody can say I put on airs. On Forsyth Street, we made many a meal off of grits and gravy. I've done without plenty of times, I can tell you. Miss Daisy, if I was to ever get my hands on what you got, shoot, I'd be shaking it around for everybody in the world to see. That's vulgar. Don't talk to me. Never gonna understand somewhere. What? What was that? I heard that. Now, Miss Daisy, you need a chauffeur. Lord knows I need a job. So why don't we just leave it like that? You probably recognize that scene. The great Morgan Freeman and that scene from Driving Miss Daisy. I'm going to confess, that's my first time hearing it. And all I really have to say to Mr. Freeman is, uh, when I see you at the cookout next summer, um, you have to choose Brother Hedegut. Uh, you can't be running around sounding like an escaped slave. That, that's not good for any of us. Although, I looked it up and I realized, in fairness to you, this was your breakout role. And since you've made literally $300 million since then, um, I was going to talk like that too. Until I at least get net worth of 300000 or, or hell, $300. So, so I ain't mad at you. Well, maybe a little bit. In any event, not the point. The point is that this is a case about a Cleveland lawyer. And let's just call her Miss Daisy. She has a court appearance in Oxford, Ohio, which is 250 miles away. So instead of driving herself, she has her very own Hulk make the four-hour drive for her. Now, in this case, it's not Morgan Freeman. Hulk was a drug dealer, is a drug dealer, and a former client of hers. On, by the way, drug charges, so she knows who's driving the car for her. But it gets way better. When they get to Oxford, they can't find the courthouse. They're driving around in circles. And so she gets a great idea. Hey, there's a police officer over there. Let's not use GPS. Forget that. We're going to switch to OPP, Oxford Police Person. They pull up next to the local cop and ask for directions. As luck would have it, he is on his way to the courthouse himself. And so he says, hey, just follow me. Now, I can imagine that Hoke is not so crazy about this idea, but what's he going to do now? They decide to follow him. That is, until they run out of gas. Really? Now, let's be clear about this. Between a drug dealer and a lawyer, they don't have $20 between them to put into the tank? In any event, once again, luck is shining on them. The officer who they're following sees them, pulls over and says, okay, look, look I'm going to take the lawyer here to court. We both got to get to court. She can ride in the cruiser with me. And Hoke, you stay here with the car. I'm going to send the deputy out 
and they will get you a tow or jump and get you to a gas station. And Hulk is smart. My guess is 98.6% that he's black because he knows he's not going to deal with two cops in a day and live. That's not what we do. He leaves the car. I know he's 250 miles from home, but I told you, he's black. We're fast. He, he was home about 15 minutes. He says, forget all this. My name is Bennett. I ain't in it. He is gone. So when the second officer shows up on the scene, he's dealing with an abandoned car at this point. The car's been abandoned, and now they decide they're going to impound the car. Now, as part of the impound, they do what's called an inventory search. You want to make sure that someone doesn't come back later and go, hey, I have $4 million in this car. Y'all stole it. Which they would have, right? But <laughs> everyone would. So as the officer's doing this inventory search, first thing he does is he comes across in the glove compartment a Louis Vuitton change purse. Go ahead, Miss Daisy. And inside the change purse, he finds, of course, cocaine. Ruh roll. He also finds a makeup bag in the back seat. And sure enough, guess what? <laughs> More cocaine. Now, interestingly, when the lawyers asked about this later, Whose Coke is this? You, you know what she said. Of course. She was like, that's Hoke's Coke. And it's certainly possible that Hoke sold it to her. But it's almost impossible that a Cleveland drug dealer owns a change purse and a makeup bag. Because let's face it, you can't be gender fluid and slang rocks on the corner. That's not how gender fluid or rocks works. That said, Miss Daisy says, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to admit it. I'm going to come clean. I do enjoy some Coke from time to time, but this is not my Coke. I keep my Coke in a Chanel bag. You're going to find it hard to believe they don't believe her. All right? They charge her, and she's convicted of cocaine possession, which is a fifth-degree felony, which, as you know, is just one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. All of that said, this lawyer has now been convicted of a crime. The bar's going to want to talk to her. She's got some explaining to do. And amazingly, the bar says, well, girlfriend, while you're here, let's talk about this 2007 conviction you have for disrupting public service and resisting arrest. And what happened back then is that Miss Daisy reported her car stolen. And when police didn't find her car, like immediately, she acted a fool. I don't think that's exactly what they put in the report, but they probably could have. I don't know exactly what she did, but here's what I do know. It was so bad, and she was so belligerent with the police, that they arrested her. A white woman. You know what you got to do with a white woman to get arrested by the police? All right? And for yelling at them, that's your job. And the judge, after hearing about it, was like, uh-uh, oh, this is crazy. And sent Miss Daisy to a mental institution for 60 days. So the bar said, well, what do you have to say about that? And of course... She said, well, you know, basically what had happened was, back then, I was bipolar. But I've taken some ginger ale, crackers, and now I'm good. Don't worry about it. And the bar was like, uh, nah, boo-boo. Your treating physician in the report here said nothing about bipolar disorder. You weren't even unipolar. He said you were on the crack den. And as a result, she's been suspended indefinitely. And what they said was, look, you come back here, one, when you put down the booger sugar girl, and two, when you get a doctor that says, she good, that might be a while. And the important thing to remember here is that it didn't have to go down this way. 
As a general rule, bar associations are really good about trying to be understanding about substance abuse. They understand it's a disease, not a moral failing. But what is a moral failing is lying about it. That's Hoax Purse and his pumps. I used to be bipolar. Remember, as the old saying goes, denial is not a river in Ohio. Man, I don't think it goes, it goes something like that. Just look it up. And our last nominee this week is in a brand new category. And it's hard for me to believe that we made it 13 weeks and this is the first time we've had an entry for the Joan Rivers Award. As you know, Joan was known for her famous Can we talk? And while Can We Talk was pretty good comedy, it's really bad law. It's also bad business. It's pretty much bad life. Gossip is never a good ethics move. Even if you have a good reason. And in this case, our nominee is the movie Even Stevens. And wanting to get Even Stevens is certainly never a good reason. Now, the case here involves a Tennessee lawyer. And he makes Joan Rivers look like someone with a great deal of discretion. Someone you could trust with any secret. On the other hand, this lawyer? Not so trustful. In a nutshell, the lawyer has a disgruntled former client. As if there is any other kind of former client. And the client goes on to Google and leaves a negative review for the lawyer. And here is what the review said. It's from CK, Mr. K. And he says, this is the worst attorney in Johnson City. Do not use him. He will ruin your case. He does not care. Now, Google reviews allow you as the owner to give a response. And so here is even Steven's response. Mr. K is certifiably mentally deranged and was institutionalized for mental problems. He was homeless, but I was appointed by the court to represent him in court proceedings to get custody of his infant son. When I would not make false representations to the court, he became enraged and I asked the court to relieve me from his representation. The above can be easily verified by the court. Now, believe it or not, I was too lazy to verify any of that but the court. So I don't know if it's true or not and don't care because it doesn't matter. <laughs> what is true is that his statement there is a clear violation of the ethics rules. Under rule 1.6, a lawyer can't really say anything about the representation. And if you say, well, it's not a real client anymore. It's not a current client. He's done with him. He got dismissed. That prohibition also applies to former clients. Now, a lot of lawyers get in trouble here because they'll try to use the he started it defense. And we've talked about this before. He started it is never going to be a valid defense to anything. Maybe if you're six years old and you're in the back of a car and you're punching each other. And even then, your parents didn't even go for he started it. But they're not going for it here. A lot of lawyers get confused because in the ethics rules, there is a provision that allows for permissive disclosure in some cases. You don't have to, but it says a lawyer can disclose information about the representation. And one of those circumstances is if there's a controversy between the lawyer and the client. So if the client sues you, you then obviously can come into court and make your case. The problem is that it's termed controversy because they're using it from a constitutional, justiciable controversy, Article 3 standing type controversy. But understand that 
they're really talking about cases, things that are legal actions. Google, not one of them. That's not a controversy for this purpose. It might be a controversy for Prince's purpose, right, controversy, but, but not for the purpose of this rule. And this is the problem is that lawyers are constantly, every year we have cases, we'll have several more this year, of lawyers who just could not let it go. They can't ignore their internet critics. And I don't know why, because that's all there are on the internet are critics. I don't know about you, but I rarely find it worth my time to leave a review online unless I'm really mad. And the good news is that everybody knows that. That's why Amazon is still in business, despite the fact that every single product on the site has at least one one-star review, often on the very first page. Nevertheless, it's still the case that no one named Beso will ever have to work again in the history of ever. But this lawyer should have done something different. There's no need to respond. And what he definitely should not have done was write more or longer rebuttals. And that is actually exactly what he did. I took a look at the Google site. In addition to spilling the tea on Mr. K, uh, here's how he responded to a review that said he is the worst attorney there is. He lies and threatens his clients. Don't use him. He writes, I was this awful woman's husband's third attorney. He was drunk driving, second offense, and had an obviously BS lies defense neither his prior lawyers nor myself get the prosecutor to believe. They simply were unhappy he had to face the music despite my best efforts. I never lied to him. And the threatening accusation is ludicrous. Pathetic people. In response to another one-star review, here's what he wrote. Both the mother and grandmother had unrealistic expectations and were very upset when I advised them it was very possible that the biological father would get custody. Concerning the money, she is lucky I did not sue her for the remaining $4,000 of the contract she signed. She never did pay, and I let it go, but now I'm considering suing on the contract since she has written this character assassination. And my absolute favorite response is what this lawyer said to someone, same Google site, who gave him four out of five stars. The lawyer writes, I suppose a four star rating is okay, but I'd like to know who it is so I work to achieve a five star rating. I always try and deserve a five star rating, but sometimes do not, I guess. Really? This guy's so thin skinned that he's worried about a four-star review? I give CLE webinars every week and get dozens of reviews after every seminar. And I have never gotten all fives. And I deserve them. In addition, there's always one person who hated my guts, gave me a one-star, talked about my mama. And the weird part is I have their email address. And so I could write them and talk about their mama too. Right? Maybe put it on a Google review, go to their website, and, and, and go ahead and talk about their mama. You know, it never even occurred to me to do it once. I don't get this lawyer's mindset here. Of course they're going to be bad reviews. Someone's not going to like you. That's literally, it's like the shampoo commercial. That's it's, it's how you know it's working. Thin Skin Theo here only got a censure from the Tennessee bar. 
And he only got it for that one retaliatory response, the first one I read to you. Even though he is littering the entire internet with his clapbacks. And how the Tennessee bar missed those additional ethical breaches, the ones I just read for you, and there are others, and I found them, even though I'm just doing this silly podcast, I'll never know. It's beyond me. But what else is beyond me is the time. So I'll not see you all next week. Take care and avoid the clap back. And and the clap for that matter. Bye-bye. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, C-L-E dot com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or the Ethie Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.